Hello everybody, Brett Stewart here. I want to preface this episode to give you a bit of a rundown on what is happening this week, the week of Halloween 2019. We are bringing back Movie Ghoul Round. This is the second year running. We are doing a marathon this week, meaning you are getting one episode a day leading up to Halloween. And then on Halloween, you're getting two episodes. So this is Monster House, which was a You Did This To Us pick, and that's followed by Halloween, the 2018 version, Aramen Tari, a Basque film from uh, Spain, and then on Halloween morning, The Invitation, and closing on Halloween evening, Eyes Without a Face. So if you'd like to follow along, get on our social media channels on Twitter and on Facebook, because the reason we've had so many episodes in the feed the last couple weeks is because we have been catching ourselves up. That way we could do this movie ghoul round here at the end of October, leading into Halloween. And then in addition to that, it positions us better moving forward because we're going to be closer to the episode release dates, which allows us to read your feedback and do that sort of thing in a more timely fashion. So we're very excited about it. And that means, of course, that you are getting a lot of fantastic content in your feed right away throughout the course of the next couple of weeks. But Movie Ghoul Round starts now. Here's Monster House. And welcome to Movie Ghoul Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is You Did This To Us. everybody, my name is Brett Stewart, and thank you for joining us on the second annual Movie Ghoul Round. That's right, this week in October, leading up to Halloween, we are doing everything spooky and scary and all that stuff in between. Uh, this is an annual tradition we started last year. If you want to find 2018s, you can go back in the feed and see those. But joining me for this first episode in this year's Movie Ghoul Round, Nicole Davis, how are you? Oh, I'm so good. I've been getting rid of a spooky insect infestation in my bedroom because things have been biting and or stinging me while I've been sleeping. Uh, they are not bed bugs. Thank you very much. We've exhausted that possibility. <laughs> um, but it is still uh, somewhat of a mystery. I think it's moth larva. Uh, so whatever. It's gross. But I vacuumed the... Uh, the, the I vacuumed the living hell out of my carpet and my bed. <laughs> Changed nice. sheets 57 times. So hopefully my room will be less spooky. Still that. not as spooky as the house in this movie. David Luzader. Oh, so spooky. He's with us as well. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm doing spooky. Oh, my God. Doing great. <laughs> happy to be here. <laughs> See, last year we didn't address movie ghoul round on the show. We just yeah, we kind of it kind of happened. It happened kind of on accident, yeah. and then we marketed it as such. But this year we're addressing it on the show. Now that means for you did this to us, which is your opportunity, the audience, to vote for a film for us to watch. The poll goes up on our website every five weeks. 
you can add a film of your own or you can vote on something that's already there. And this was a film that came out of nowhere. It was not typically we populate the list by picking five or six that have done well in the past. And then you guys will add all of your responses. This was not one of those five or six came out of nowhere and took like a commanding 33 something percent lead over everything else. I do want to say Xanadu would have been a more terrifying watch than this movie. Yeah, oh, just... not oh, not for all of us. <laughs> hey, but you know, it's 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 got trick or treating in this movie. It's on Halloween, so I'm gonna it's let true. it slide. Yeah. It is Monster yeah. House, and uh, before we get into Monster House, came out in 2006. I do want to announce tomorrow's movie. It's the start of a new cycle, but the continuation of Movie Ghoul Round, and we are going to be watching uh, Halloween. And new to two, which is this episode, means that David and Nicole have never seen it before. So we are going Halloween from 2018. I'm going to introduce you guys to... It's not a reboot. It's a sequel. But it, it brings back Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, you know, in, in her classic role. A sequel so, with the exact same title as the movie yes. that precedes it. Exactly. It's, it's, it's a Hollywood soft reboot now that has recently been announced to be a trilogy. So we're going to get more of them. Oh, but, why is my nose bleeding? <laughs> <laughs> so, Halloween 2018, not to be confused with the original, though I highly recommend watching the original first because this film is chock full yes. of throwbacks. Um, though I will say uh, all the other films in between are pointless and you don't need to see them. So, just well, watch except maybe Halloween the two. 3. Wait, wait, wait yeah. which one's Halloween Season of the Witch? Halloween 3. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> okay. one's worth watching. Okay, maybe Halloween 3 then. <laughs> But for the purposes of seeing next week's movie, see the first one, definitely. But this week, much less spooky, much more G or PG rated, was Monster House. A suburban home has become physically animated by a vengeful human soul looking to stir up trouble from beyond the grave. And it's up to three adventurous kids from the neighborhood that do battle with the structural golem in this comically frightful tale. Uh, Again, this came out of nowhere. I think it might be courtesy of Phil Rude. I saw... A comment on Facebook that he had definitely voted for this, maybe even added it. I'm calling you out, Phil, if you did this to us. I just don't know. But a bunch of people jumped on that bandwagon. Uh, had you guys seen this movie before? No. Yes. Did you want to see it again, David? <laughs> uh, I wasn't opposed to it. And, and we'll get into, we've had some sort of uh, pre-show thought sharing here and there. Um <laughs> I, I wasn't opposed to ever seeing this movie again, but it wasn't like, you know what I'm going to sit down and do today? Watch Monster House. Topanga, Topanga has agrees. no interest. Absolutely no interest. Yeah, so let's talk about this movie. It came out in 2006. It's an animated film. It, it has a shockingly impressive cast for what it is, and it did surprisingly well. It was considered a box office success with reasonably decent reviews. So this is unlike a lot of the You Did This To Us picks that we get. With that said, uh, let's start with the with the base level of this. The first thing you're going to notice is a very specific type of animation that is very 2006 and I don't think has aged well at all. <laughs> Robert Zemeckis does not have good luck with animation unless no. they spend an insane amount of money on it. Like uh, and he produced one this. character in Beowulf. Did he? I'm not seeing him on a he producer did. role. Okay. Yeah. Or it was like I a, heard he was involved. He, he was like on. executive producing or something like that. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. It was Amblin Entertainment. 
All right. Yeah. Spielberg had his little mitts on it. R- right. Because this was still kind of like, like Pixar had taken off and shown that, hey, animation is really viable and a giant moneymaker. And other people were trying to get in on that action. And this was an attempt at that. And like, yeah, like you said, it had decent reviews. It it got, uh, you know, it made it a good amount of money. It has like a pretty decent cast, but it's just, um, it's very thin, I think. Yes. Uh, I think it's, it's it's missing it's missing hearts yeah. that other animated movies have that make them stand out. So, question: You mentioned that this is around the time that you know Pixar was able to prove the the box office viability for animated films. You guys are going to have to help me out here as the youngin on this show, where I was eleven when this movie came out. Um, mm-hmm. So you were prime I, age for Pixar's Nicole's, movie that year, of, right? Uh, of Cars. Oh my god! I watched. Ah, I saw that's cars. what I thought. I was going to get. I saw Cars, cars so many times. Entry. It was it was it was Cars and Ratatouille for like this era. Um, yep. And like Shrek sequels. So I guess my question is: is like, was this seems late for me for animation being commercially successful? Pixar had big hits in the early two thousands, didn't they? Well, well, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying like it, it, this was like this was after it was commercially successful, and now you had a bunch of people trying to because there's also like the third mm, okay. Ice Age movie came out this year. Uh, was Ice Age was another really big one, but this is when a bunch of studios now were like, "Oh, now we can throw a bunch of money in animation, and it's going to go great." Right? Yeah. Okay. Except that third Ice Age movie was terrible. <laughs> oh, it's Ice Age Two was two thousand and six, so the meltdown, uh, which uh, still was apparently not good. Better. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, but what is it about this particular style of animation? The frame rate seems slow. The characters look like blocks. It just is so devoid of any emotion. Like, even emotions on their faces look like a bad E3 demo from 2004. Like, it just doesn't look good. I don't know if this did look good then. Well, I mean, it doesn't have to look good to connect emotionally i've seen right. much rougher animation than this where you actually where you actually feel something for the the characters involved it's just this it's trying to have heart they have this really painfully earnest uh flashback at one point um talking about house and it is trying so hard to add feeling to it, and it just doesn't succeed. And yeah. I don't really care about the the protagonists of this movie, except maybe the girl who goes door to door. But uh, okay, so this movie is the in the beginning for the first half hour is like okay, here's a little bit of care, like here's who the characters are, and then the rest of it is just them on their wacky adventure. Like yeah. we don't we're not given a whole lot to actually like care about these characters or I don't know really feel anything about them it's like there's the main kid and then his friend and then the girl and yeah. they're all well, caricatures he, right like they're all caricatures of classic typi- coming of age movies which is like typical of animation but they can still have personalities yeah and i mean the the only reason I felt anything for the lead character DJ is just because his babysitter and her boyfriend were so awful. They were so horrible bad. people. 
<laughs> I mean, that's, I think that's where there's, this movie is, is genuinely frightening in places, you know, partly the house coming alive, but also partly the babysitter and her boyfriend. They yeah. freaked me the hell out. Now I, I do want to say, yeah, like the people, the animation isn't super great, but I would say when the house is like really like at the end, when the house is like crawling around and coming to life, like looks really good. Yeah, I, I do I, agree with that. I think the inanimate objects of this movie and the house and it's, it's, it's personification through all the different devices they use looks really good. Yeah. Yeah. Just the, the, the kids themselves are okay at best. Right now. I did also notice that in, in this animation style, particularly there's a couple and I really only, I guess two or three where they tried to make it look like the actor or actress playing the role. Like the baby, the babysitter Z definitely has Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal's facial structure. And, so, um, and I yes. guess Nebercracker kind of looks like what Steve, Steve Buscemi will turn into someday. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this was, this was, uh, made in a, in a style very similar to Polar Express, uh, which is to say that they used performance capture. So the actors performed the characters movements and the lines, uh, and the lines while linked to sensors. Um, so they were like mapping out their faces to then put on to these characters. And they actually had them like walking around doing these actions for, for the reference, I guess uh, this is before motion capture was kind of, I guess, standard in everything. Uh, and somehow yet uh, for being a horror movie, it is less frightening looking than polar express, which used the same technology. you're telling me that tom hanks wasn't perfectly encapsulated by this technology that movie still haunts me (laughs) (laughs) this holiday season on you did this to us yeah right i think they were actually trying to make it as realistic as possible on the polar express and so it fell into the uncanny valley Mm -hmm. whereas this one they're going for stylized so you're not trying to make that connection to make them look 100% human in your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this... Yeah. I don't think it looks very good. <laughs> I mean, I here's what I think with animation. I think animation is in the same wheelhouse. And I guess you could say it's about CGI or about video games or just anything computer generated in any capacity. That your ability to age well is going to rely heavily on your ability to utilize strong stylistic decisions that aren't totally dependent on how far you can push the technology. Um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Uh, well, but we've always, I think we've had this conversation on here that stylized always looks better mm-hmm. than realistic when it comes to animation. I think we probably talked that point to death when we talked about spider verse and oh, another yeah, thing, that's right? Yeah. Another thing that I, uh, I remember for not discussing on this podcast, but in general, uh, Scott McCloud has has written this textbook called Understanding Comics. It's super interesting if you're really into comics, uh, but it's also it's a it's a textbook. It's dense. It's a it can be a little bit boring. Just warning anybody who's thinking about picking it up out of nowhere. Uh, endlessly fascinating. I love it, Scott McCloud. Please don't hate me. Um, there is a part when he's talking about faces. And he talks about the complexity of faces and how the less detailed it is, the 
easier it is for the audience to project themselves onto it. You know, like like two eyes, a nose, and a mouth. We all have those features. Uh, when you when you have those, it seems you know we're able to see ourselves in that depiction much more easily than something where Tom Hanks's photorealistic face <laughs> in the Polar Express, which I still see when I wake up in a cold sweat. Uh, all this to say. <laughs> Like that, I think that's partially why stylized looks looks a bit better because it is this less detailed. They're less trying to make it someone's very real face, and they're just making it a face that we, as the audience, can look and and connect with the character because it weirdly feels more real that way, or it feels more relatable. It's something our brains can understand and enjoy. Yeah, what freaks I me, a lot. No, what freaks me out about this though is that. Let's take let's take Chowder, who is our who is our very stereotypical, like chubby kid in the neighborhood. He, they call him Chowder, and uh, <laughs> he yeah. Where do you get that nickname? I don't know. That's an interesting one. Being and, from New England, <laughs> and uh, he Still. looks like a plastic baby doll, but slightly larger, and his eyes are like bulging out of his head and they're perfectly round and his face is like porcelain and he is terrifying looking. <laughs> Brett coming in with the the all the feelings on Chowder. <laughs> but you know, to Chowder's credit, has probably some of the best lines in this entire movie. Chowder has like Got all it. the best lines. <laughs> yeah. Um Chowder voiced by Sam the kids, Lerner. Yeah, the kids I don't know. Sam Lerner from the Goldbergs. Okay. Oh, okay. Um he was he was Jeff Schwartz. So Good for him. Yeah, he has some great lines. I mean, that's the funny thing about this movie is that for how shallow the plot is and how predictable it is, and how mostly unremarkable the animation is, there's some funny stuff in here. Like there's a great line when um he's calling I think it's Chowder or maybe, yeah, Chowder's calling his like dad or something like that. And, oh, they're asking where her parents are and or his parents are. I'm rambling right now. Yeah. And he says like, oh yeah, my dad's at the, my mom's at the movies with her uh, yoga instructor or something like that. Well, yeah, so I've got, I've got some quotes pulled up. Trainer. Yeah. It's my dad's at the pharmacy and my mom's at the movies with her personal trainer. Right. Like there's some great fun f- scattered throughout this for the adults in the audience. <laughs> I mean, there's, God, looking at these quotes, the, the the chowder ones are great. When they're in the house, it's like uh, Jenny says, "There." She's looking at the chandelier. Well, if those are the teeth and that's the tongue, that must be the uvula. <laughs> to which Chowder says, "Oh, so it's a girl house." <laughs> right. <laughs> it was just like some of the lines are really clever. You know, he says, "I I paid twenty eight dollars for that ball. I had to mow ten lawns and ask my mom for a dollar twenty six times." <laughs> Just the implication of some of the stuff that he says is really great, which I think is partially why this movie had the success because it was, I mean, I don't want to say it's like, it's edgy, but it's a little, it's not afraid to be a little bit 
I guess edgier than like Disney Pixar, you know, like Chowder has these weird lines that are really, really funny because they're not super sanitary. <laughs> yeah, it is. he's getting right. shoved in a cop car because and we'll get into the cops here in a moment, but they come and, and try to arrest a bunch of kids. And um, as he's getting pushed into the car, my cousin's a cop in Milwaukee. I mean, he's kind, he's kind of a cop. He's got a gun. Like there's some great stuff in here that would not be in a Pixar movie. Yeah. So. But let's talk about the cops. The cops show up. They're some of the only adult interaction we get for a significant portion of time. Uh, they're played by Kevin James and Nick Cannon. Um, Nick Cannon's this movie is so too, the cast is so two thousand and six. It's great. <laughs> um, Nick Nick Cannon's kind of kind of has his likeness a little bit less so. Kevin James. Mm. I, don't I think know. the cop ends up looking like the the African American cop from The Simpsons. Oh, uh, Lou? Okay. A little bit. Yeah, I think it's Lou, but rendered into 3D. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can definitely see that. Right. And and these guys show up and they're they're one of the only, again, they're really like the only adults in the movie for a long period of time. And they're the only adults that actually see anything happen with this house. How is not everyone seeing this? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's one of my gripes towards the end of it. Is the house, like the gets house up is... and walks around the neighborhood. <laughs> and no, yeah, nobody notices it at all. Right. Fine, I guess. But, Call but, a group hallucination. Somebody snuck LSD into the Halloween candy. Entirely possible. But Groovy. it's also uh, these cops present one of the problematic elements of the film. Nicole pointed some of these out in our talk. Yeah, they do. Such as the panicky African-American sidekick to the mellow white cop. Uh, this character, his name is... Brett scrolls down IMDb and loses. I it. don't know. Officer Lister. Officer Lander is an Officer Lister, yeah. Right, so Officer Lister. Lister is a bumbling buffoon. Yeah. 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 He's a buffoonish character. He reminded, it reminded me a lot, and this is this is before even my time, but I used to um, take these old radio programs out of the library sometimes, and um, they were a movie pairing as well. It reminded me a lot of the relationship between Jack Benny and his sidekick Rochester. Um, and Deep it was cut. a similarly sort of gravelly voiced African-American actor uh, who had actually gotten his gotten his start in. Um, uh Oh, I can't remember the term now. It'll come back to me. But in any case, this is this is a stereotype that was played. It's like the Mammy character in, you know, not not Mammy, the the younger one in Gone with the Wind, uh, the one who gets all panicky and has to be slapped. Sure, because she's throwing a fit when the you know I don't know nothing about birth and no babies. Right, and uh, yeah. And she has to be slapped to get her to calm down. And, you know, she's the comic relief in that moment. And this is something that, you know, was an old um, stereotype of African-American. And I'm Aline, it's it's like vaudeville. It's, you know, it's very, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, cops in horror movies have to be ed- idiots. I, I heard someone talking about this at one point. The cops actually well, did their job, fine, but right? That's this particular, right? Yeah, I, no, I'm getting to the point of like, there's like that's where they were coming from, but then they totally were thoughtless in the execution of it. 
It was yes, just, this kind of idiot is the wrong kind of idiot. So let's stay. Yeah, right. I mean, if if this is an idiot that's rolling around doing somersaults with his shockingly large gun um, in front of the house because he hears the spooky, the dangerous creature inside that he believes the kid's about and is going to investigate by himself. Yeah. Not great. Not it's, gra- it's not great. Other thing not but great. hey, he doesn't die. No one dies. Well, does he come? Dies. Wait, does he come back out at the end? Oh, in the in the credits, they yeah. all everybody climbs out of the hole. Oh, I didn't say. Yep. I was out of there. <laughs> I don't. I don't blame okay. you. <laughs> it's, I don't it's blame fun. you either. The second, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that's the only reason that they were able to get away with a, a PG instead of a PG thirteen because this was, uh, you know, like I said, pretty intensely scary for kids at times. But I, in the and it looks yeah. like some of the characters die. You know, but in the end, everyone climbs out of the hole. So well, one character, does. one character does fall to their death in this movie, and then, like, you see their skeleton. Oh yeah, oh, of right, course. Right, right. Um, yeah, the wife. Yeah, what's her name again? Celestine or something? Constance. <laughs> Constance. They only said it nine thousand times. Uh, and you have you have <laughs> Kathleen Turner, and you you only give her like four lines. Come on. Yeah, and that entire it's like it's like it's mostly grunting <laughs> yeah it is. and it's like a terrifying steve buscemi version of the up intro it's so deeply unsettling <laughs> what the best part yeah, the, flashback. Of, the best part of steve buscemi's characters he is in a hospital gown he and steals his a- arms in a sling and he pulls out a, a like four sticks of dynamite from his like where did he get those he obviously was prepared to do this it was in his sling right and of course he's yeah. coming in the the ambulance he stole um because for, for context for everybody this is a house it is on a block kids are scared of it he is mean to kids. He lives in the house. And it turns out he was mean all along because he was keeping kids safe from his creepy evil house, which is the housewife, demonic embodiment please. of his wife. Wait, no. Housewife actually still works, I guess, in this context. <laughs> yeah. It's very literal. Right. And uh, like house, he's, like hyphenated. <laughs> he's keeping the kids safe. And then finally, the kids get to help him be safe at the end of well, the movie with a little handhold. Ah. Yeah, it's also because she hates she hates kids because uh, she was in the circus. Three of them were mean to her. <laughs> yes, yes, and some kids were mean to her when they were building their house, which resulted in her having the accident. Well, okay, I don't want to say the kids being mean to her; it was her reaction to the kids that led to her accident. Yeah, so let's. Uh, so she <laughs> blames kids. I yeah. guess for being a house, and she blames kids particularly on Halloween. She blames trick or treaters, but. Let's talk about her because so she's she's like the 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 giant lady at the circus that they literally keep in a cage. And yeah, Steve Buscemi comes along and sets her free and buys a plot of land in the middle of like a desolate like prairie, which will apparently turn into this thriving little town within the next 40 years. And um, he. I don't even know how to describe this. It's so stupid. He uh, there, he builds this house for her and these kids come along and they throw stuff at her and she just loses her mind and falls into the house's hole that they have dug. Concrete covering her. She dies. Foundation. Yeah. Foundation, yeah. Right. It's there's there's a there's a lot 
there's a lot there that like there's a lot of this movie that I think it's a part lot of to unpack. <laughs> Why was she <laughs> so of... angry at trick or treaters? There's no basis no. for this. There's a lot to unpack and a lot that starts to unravel when you're pulling at the threads, which I think is why this movie isn't more uh, like well-regarded and we don't, you know, not everybody's like, oh yeah, Monster House, so great. It's like the plot's really thin. It doesn't have the heart of other animation and it's like, yeah, there's so many plot holes that it just, it gets kind of ridiculous and not in like, that's the problem with this movie. It's not so bad it's good if it was so bad it's good that that'd be a whole different thing uh it's just like it's almost good yeah yes and because exactly. it's almost it's good almost good but it's, it's a not, little too mean it's aggressively it's mediocre to talk about like just why i talk about in the way that's good and bad is which anyway. is why you guys did this to us of course um also where <laughs> do the trick-or-treaters even come from they're in like a middle of a field okay all right i'm gonna stop <laughs> yeah that's it's like, right. Yeah, these three trick or treaters pop out of like a shrub. One of the, in the three of shrubs, desolate prairie. Yeah, and throw like tomatoes or something at her, and she just kind of goes, hey, and like goes running after <laughs> them. Shockingly good impression. That was actually yeah, that was pretty much what it was. <laughs> you know, Nicole, maybe your your impression actually might have clicked it for me. Maybe it's when they're throwing stuff at her. It is like aggressive, like response to having stuff thrown at her in the circus because we do see that well, so maybe well, there yes but eh. but yeah like, but then she just goes apeshit and falls into a hole <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. yeah and i mean i understand that you know maybe it's been years and years of this abuse and right, but we don't know stuff at her and she snaps but yeah but we the small glimpse we get we don't see it in the flashback. We just see her like revealed as the fat lady in a circus, you know, the 675 pounds lady as big as a house. Um, and the kids in the flashback aren't throwing anything at her. I don't think, are they? No, they are. Like, you know, at, just, like at the circus. Oh, all right. Yeah. At the circus, they yeah. throw stuff at her and she just like falls off the stool and starts going like your impression. Yeah, but I mean, more like a like a beached walrus kind of, uh, not an attacking, That's overweight true. bear kind of, uh, you know. Yeah, she just... she didn't go into attack mode when she was things were thrown at her at the circus. Yeah, so I mean, she's all you see is like this, you know, all you get of her character is like this pitiful figure and an aggressive figure and yeah. somehow we're supposed to believe that mr nebercracker falls in love with right. her at he, first sight he sees her and just falls in love with her and then she goes back to her cage i guess in the middle of an open <laughs> field and he just like opens the door no, for no, her he doesn't open some- the do- he doesn't even he hooks her up he hitches her to his car and drives her away right. without letting her out of the trailer i <sighs> Yeah. yeah. So I it's, mean, it's, it's not romantic. Not there, no. No. And I mean, there are absolutely relationships where you fall in love at first sight, and the person may not be traditionally attractive, but somebody right. you know you recognize as something in someone else, and they're just like, "We're meant to be together." Whatever. That's fine. But I mean, this is just you know, she seems like a completely 
unpleasant person to be around. Yeah, we yeah. never saw her being like affectionate to him. We never saw what yeah. their like life was together before we started building that house. Right, like she picks him up once. That's the closest. Again, it's yeah. bad up. <laughs> I mean, it's I, up I guess. gone wrong. It's down. It's <laughs> down. No, I think it's sideways. I think up gone wrong is sideways. <laughs> no, sideways. We've got we've got sideways. Oh right, That's no, sideways is Paul Giamatti. <laughs> <laughs> totally different movie. Now another problematic, much, much better movie. <laughs> another prob- problematic element of this film: uh, fat shaming as well. Um, yeah. Yep. In several spots with several characters, her included. Yeah, the cop, her, you know, none of the overweight people seem to have any redeeming qualities. Chowder yeah. is is like a bumbling overweight character. And again, his name is Chowder. Yeah, <laughs> like we, yeah he, his name is Chowder. It's like being, it's like flounder in Animal House. It's Truffle Shuffle. It's like Truffle Shuffle. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You have, you have, uh, uh, oh man, Napoleon Dynamite's character, John, John Hedder is in this movie as Reginald Skull Skolinski, who is the <laughs> overweight loser who hangs out at the, who works and hangs out at the pizza place all day, just like playing video games. It's, yeah, a lot of these, a lot of these people don't have uh, a lot of good things going for them. And are depicted nope. as, you know, generally depicted as kind of like fat and lazy. It's right. not a great look. And nope. Jason Lee shows up as Bones, who I, I think I described to as like a drug addled. The most, most terrifying oh character in the movie. He looks like a drug addled Jackson Brown. I was Brown. just about to say that. He's <laughs> yeah. the most terrifying looking character in the movie, including the house. Yeah, he's horrifying looking. And, and, and what's really mind blowing is they introduce him and you're like, oh, so Z the 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 babysitter played by Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh, she's dating like some really cool much older guy. And then later on it's alluded to that they're probably kind of around the same age, except he looks ancient. Yeah, he looks yeah. super old. He's also, you know, now that you mentioned the Simpsons earlier, like now he's just Jimbo. He's Jimbo from the yeah. Simpsons. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, now my pants are chafing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I thought of was the, the when you said the babysitting thing. It's like, oh, my pants are chafing. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And there's a couple other interesting actors in here as well. I mean, Fred Willard's here for a very short time. Um, um, Catherine oh, O'Hara the, with the, the perfect dad voice. Oh, yeah. The incomparable Catherine O'Hara is in this yeah. movie for not long enough. You get enough. to see them, right. And you get to see them as they're leaving their probably like 11 or 12 year old before the babysitter arrives. They, and they have the most <laughs> character development in this movie. Like we know them, like they are these absentee <laughs> mentally parents. Like I get a good feeling for these two in the five minutes we see them on screen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I and again, he just has the the daddest voice of all voices. I oh, don't yeah, know it's what Fred Willard, right? I don't know what it is about it. And then all the kids it's, are it's dad mixed with sportscaster. Yep. Yes, that's one hundred percent right. I, I I can always hear in my head Fred Willard calling me sport, <laughs> <laughs> and um, it feels good. I'm not gonna lie. Sure, sure. <laughs> now, are we rooting for any character other than Jenny? Jenny being the um the caricature the of the of the prissy girl that goes to the private all-girls school who is 
going around the neighborhood hawking her wares of candy before Halloween. And she has that like weird little scene where she's hustling right, with, yes. uh, with Z. Yeah, she's haggling with the babysitter. Yeah, and then she's get rid of her candy. And then she's just there. That's just like that's all I can really describe for most of the characters in the second half of this movie is like they're just around. Yeah, well, it's just that she goes to the the you know the monster house next, and the boys try to rescue her from it, and she takes refuge in DJ's house, and that's that's all the intro that she has to these two people. And yet she's supposed to like trust her life to them for the next, however long in the movie until her mom can come get her. Yeah. Right. I think she and said it, something like you guys have an hour to convince me about yeah. this house. And then she kisses DJ for no reason at the very end, but he's about to do something brave that I think she has to end up doing anyway. Right. Because he drops the dynamite or something like that. No, he like swings and like on the upswing, she throws the dynamite and he catches it. And yeah, it's right. a Princess Leia thing. Okay, light, yeah. lights were on and absolutely no one was home for me at that point. Um, yeah, I'm, my <laughs> method of watching this, I started watching this movie last week because I thought we were recording this last week. I got retained last week off. And then you guys were like, oh no, we're not doing it next week. I'm like, oh great. Immediately stop the movie. <laughs> did, not, <laughs> did not return to the last half hour of it. Until, Yay, I don't have to watch it. <laughs> yeah, until today. By then I had forgotten most of the details of what had happened yeah. and uh yeah was not super engaged in what i had I, I was revisiting yeah but but to answer your original question here i'll kind of root for for nebit nebercracker toward the very end like despite his god awful flashback sequence he, he gets kind of badass at the end when he steals an ambulance and pulls out dynamite i'm kind of with steve buscemi on I that guess. You know, and reveals that he was only mean so that the kids would stay away from the house that Which, could eat them. Th- that's what I'm thinking. That's, a, that's an interesting idea. This movie is full of interesting ideas that are not executed well. Yeah. Why didn't he ask- and I mean, it's it's going too far. He's frightening. I mean, yeah. like really frightening in how mean he is. He picks up DJ and shakes him physically. Yeah. And I mean, if I were a kid, that would be terrifying Hold up. Uh, put, put yourself Dan in Harmon? mr nebencracker's shoes though <laughs> if you were trying if you knew his kid was gonna die because your crazy ass wife house was gonna kill him you might shake him if it's been like 40 years of you trying to get kids off your lawn i uh, suppose but i mean it like instead of you know when the little girl comes by and he takes her tricycle instead of just like throwing it into the road anger say, he <laughs> yeah. breaks it and takes the pieces away Dan Harmon wrote this movie. Yeah. Which is, uh, that's sort of disappointing, but also sort of makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense in the chowder lines. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Now, <laughs> and it kind of makes sense. I mean, the babysitter reminded me of like Rick in Rick and Morty. Which is what <laughs> Nicole kind of, put in here. And, and of course, you know, Dan Harmon yeah. produces Rick and Morty. Is this movie funnier if you imagine the babysitter is Rick and DJ is Morty? If she was in it more, yeah. Like, and I thought for a while that she would see this and that she would become a part of it because she was the, the, the adult that was like adult enough in the sense that she was separated from them and thought all the kids were hysteric and playing games, but young enough that she could see it and be more of the with the group of kids than the. Well, the cops. Yeah, there's the 
there's the older kid trope, the one who doesn't believe him and then gets roped in it and has to, you know, try right. to be the responsible one. It's the in Goonies. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I thought she was going to be that, but she wasn't at all. She kind of just disappears and goes and looks for bones. Oh boy! Right. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna refrain from any of the jokes I was just about to make. Yeah, they're too that easy. Kind of clever though. The the I do like the uh, the clever sort of drag that she has when she pulls up to the house, blasting Olivia Newton John on her yeah, stereo. Right. Yeah, her and like her entrance the, is pretty great. It is. Yeah, pretty with good. the pink tracksuit and the the hair up in a bun right at the top of her head and she's just like oh my gosh we had so I'm many so activities planned i'm yeah. so excited you know and then the dj's just like they're not here and she's like oh good you know <laughs> right she's not i mean she doesn't seem like particularly mean to him she's just very apathetic well no she's mean enough to break the planter and be like oh why'd you break oh, that yeah that's true i forgot about that Who are your but... parents gonna believe me or you yeah yeah i was just i was just thinking of that moment when like bones starts to terrify him and she's like all right that's not cool but then i forgot right. about the planter thing <laughs> yeah and can we talk about how bones gets drunk after being kicked out of the house with her and um gets drunk yeah, taunts the house in a children's movie, taunts the house, and then just gets transfixed by the the illuminated, vi- you know, like vision of the his awesome kite of his childhood awesome kite. What? Yeah, gotta get that kite, man. I guess so. And he pulls it out at the end of the movie. That's the last thing I saw before I turned it off. Oh yeah, when he climbs out of the the hole. Yeah. <sighs> So, uh, <laughs> this movie. Uh, no, we're gonna hammer out Wait, a couple hold on, other. No, hold on. I gotta, I gotta go back here because at the end of the movie, yeah. it, the the house is a crater, and yet children are still approaching it with their parents. Right. The parents are looking for candy, this. right? And they're like, you know what? This is a good move. Why don't we go up to that house? Yeah. Let's go over to that crater and see what we can get if we right, say trick-or-treat. Yeah, the last crater had full-size Snickers. Maybe this one will have something, too. They're the yeah, same. Yeah, and this one, they're just they're handing out the toys, but it's like, it's their toys. It's like, <laughs> oh, yes, thank you for returning my stolen property. Happy yeah, Halloween. That girl's mom was standing right there and was just, like, apparently not even paying attention. These are the same families yeah. that go to the houses with the front porch light turned off. They just oh, don't have right. any yeah. regard. I hate those people. <laughs> Same. Same. All right. So a couple other. I have the lights off because we're out of candy. Go away. <laughs> I say as I stuff the candy into my mouth. Right. <laughs> or are you one of those people that just puts a single bowl out with a, with a sign? Take one. No one ever takes uh, one. Some of my neighbors do that. Oh. So, uh, a couple other brief discussion topics before we wrap this down. Um, 06 was a rough year for animation, so we ca- we touched on it briefly. David, what else came out in 06? Uh, 06, you had... So, Cars came out. Happy Feet, a movie I am still mad about. <laughs> uh, because Happy Feet, st- Happy Feet sold itself as one thing to me. It was about something else entirely, and I didn't appreciate that at the time, okay? Uh other movies <laughs> flushed away 
Over the Hedge, Bruce Willis oh. plays a. Oh, uh, yeah. Plays a open season. Uh, oh, wow. Open season, The Wild, Barnyard. This was the year of wow. all the bad Pixar knockoffs. The Ant Bully. Almost all of That's them. That's what I'm telling you. Curious George has, you know, Curious George, my niece loves Curious George, so I can't be too mad about that. But like Shark Bait, Happily Never After. This was the, the year when they were like, hey, animation's going super great. Why don't we? churn out some stuff didn't that barnyard one have a, a had a tv show cow with udders no. uh yes i believe so <laughs> wait and then there was oh, a right Le- leroy I suppose and it couldn't Stitch. be like standing up with its pizzle kind of dangling down for everyone to <laughs> yeah that would, not, that would not be great there's a lilo and stitch animated series that came out around this time that doesn't look right oh yeah lilo either. and stitch has a bunch of uh, spinoffs. Really? I didn't know that. Oh, We're talking yes. like prime era where I saw most of these um, and don't remember <laughs> most of them aside from the Pixar ones, really. So, in fact, there's a high likelihood I saw this movie. There's a very high likelihood I actually saw this. Um, and you don't remember it. Not Makes sense. one bit. Um, and then let's see. Best vocal performance. We'll close with that. Who do we like the most? Uh, it is a shockingly good cast. Uh, I mean, and uh, yet, and, and yet, yet, right? Uh, I mean, I can't say that anybody's doing a bad job. They got paychecks. They were there. Uh, well, I mean, maybe Nicole can. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I can't. Know. I guess either Fred Willard or Catherine O'Hara. Yeah. In the two minutes they have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't especially love his character, but I think uh, John Hedder. Oh, yeah. was you know was pretty decent in the in the little skull role he had he's there as kind of the wise character you know, the, the the guiding character for a few minutes and you know it, it was an amusing enough scene yeah i think i might have to go with john header too i mean he it, and that is a trope in itself right like the 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 wise old geeky sage that the smaller geeks go to for wisdom right um yeah yeah, he's fun. I like him. I do like, as I said earlier, I I have I am fond toward the latter half of Never Cracker, and I love Steve Buscemi, and uh, he, he he does a decent job with this. It's fine, and I think that sums up this movie and the last forty four minutes of our lives. It was fine. Uh, John Hedder's <laughs> John Hedder's done a lot of voice work lately. I'm going down a rabbit hole here. It's, it's time for, for us to sign off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Monster House, you did it to us. And you know what? I will say that it got me in the mood for Movie Ghoul Round. Uh, we record ahead of time, so it's actually August. But I'm in the mood to have Movie Ghoul Round now and then experience it when it comes out in October. Because this was a movie that was actually on Halloween. And guess what? Tomorrow's is too. But remember, we are watching 2018's Halloween. Be sure to follow along if you would like to. And I highly recommend watching the original. But uh, any final closing thoughts on Monster House? I thought it was redeemable in the sense it got me ready. I'm ready for the next couple days of spooky movies. Uh, I will say this is this should be coming out early October for people. If you know, there's a lot worse stuff you can watch, I guess. Uh, you know, there's a lot of really bad horror out there. So if you're looking for something just kind of fun to to put on, or if you um, partake in a certain herb, uh, one <laughs> might say, this would probably not be a terrible one to put on during that time. 
I'm just saying it's a good time to put on the spooky movies that are out there. And really, you know, if you've watched the good ones and you're moving on to the B tier, <laughs> go ahead and put on Monster House. You know what I will say? It's probably um, the best animated. It's you. It's 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 just about how far you can get away with trying to get your Halloween horror movie fix with a child. Like you could probably put this on with kids. Well, you could. It's a kids movie. A little yeah, creepy, I would though. recommend this. Like only insofar as if you want to scare the crap out of some five year olds, right? This is a good one to put on. Um, but you know, other than that, I think it's it's just a little too mean, and you yeah. just I just don't connect to any of the characters enough, except maybe for Jenny. You know, I'm like, yay, plucky, you know, cynical smarter than everyone else in the room girl you go you go girl cynicism we can <laughs> all agree that with that <laughs> also That's right. you know what a uvula is you deserve to live <laughs> there's apparently a video game that is more ghostbusters where they have little packs on their backs of water for their water guns you, you couldn't pay me <laughs> It looks pretty bad. Why don't they make a Lost Boys video game where you go around with like holy water in your water guns and you try to kill all the vampires? There you go. There you go. Now we're talking. I was trying to think, Nicole, you said that, you know, this could scare a young child. So I was trying to think of a movie that was scaring, that scared me horribly when I was a kid um, because I thought it would be coming out around this time, judging by, you know, it would have been earlier. Um, Turned out it was a lot earlier. I had to search. Movie where what do they search up here? Oh yeah, movie where books attack Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> uh, oh, the Page Master. The Page Master. Yeah. I couldn't remember the name, but I remembered him, and I remember it was all books. And that movie was utterly terrifying. It was so. Oh, I remember. Deeply distressing. Yeah. Well, David, was there a movie that scared the the pants off of you when you were a kid? Oh boy, that's a a great question. Um. I don't, so I don't remember a movie that did, but I had older cousins and they would watch um, uh, Tales from the Crypt. And now, now I think he's awesome. But as a child, the Crypt Keeper was terrifying. Sure. Oh, sure. (laughs) (laughs) I could buy that. Yeah. No, I remember being traumatized by. Uh, and this was when I was really little. Um, it was called Raggedy Ann and Andy, a musical adventure. And it was this animated movie about Raggedy Ann and Andy who have to go rescue this, like this French doll from somewhere. And they encounter this creature that's basically, they like fall into this giant sort of liquid sea of caramel and it's this living what is creature this that's continually off? eating parts of itself and it's the most oh, horrifying thing you can imagine if you go go google like stills of it and like there are clips from it on youtube and it's absolutely horrifying uh that and just the trailer for scanners back in 1982 <laughs> nice. scared the living crap out of me has has Raggedy Ann never not been terrifying though? 
I don't know. That face is really odd. I just I just put a, a <laughs> link in our chat to you guys can see Raggedy Ann and her friend seemingly getting absorbed by whatever this liquid is. And that is some nightmare fuel. I do not blame you, Nicole. Oh, yeah. Woof. 100%. Oh, oh. Jeez. There's a lot. Uh, both of those sound much scarier than the Page Master. Uh, eh, no, Page Master was intense. I remember Page it. Page Master had like a scene where it was like Jekyll and Hyde, and I remember that's what got me. Jekyll and Hyde are creepy. But we're done here monster house it was fun you should you can watch it if you if you want uh let's go around the table nicole where can people find you online i take care of our facebook page at facebook.com slash movie go round you can find a list of all our movies and my ratings for them um on letterboxd and that's nicole underscore davis very good what about you david People can find me around the internet under the username Davluz. That is D A V L U Z. So Twitter and Instagram, you can find me there. I also do the the uh, Brokebot Mountain podcast. By the time this episode's out, we'll have been out for a bit, but we did have Nicole Davis on oh. to discuss uh, the the movie Snowpiercer. So check that out. And uh, Xanarkind Radio, which I talked about on here a while ago, is not dead. It's just. The idea is on hiatus while I'm going to be on America's Next Top Podcaster, which should be coming out around the time this comes yeah. out. So check that out. Uh, hopefully, I'm still on the show a few weeks in when this episode will be airing. So go, go me. Yes, absolutely. No, seriously, congratulations. That's a huge, <laughs> it's a huge deal. There's you know some really uh, awesome names in podcasting behind that. So we are super, super excited that one of our own has the opportunity uh, to compete. So I'm very excited to be there. Do us proud, David. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart, B-R-E-T-T-S-T-E-W-A-R-T. That'll do it for myself, David Nicole. We'll be back tomorrow, continuing movie ghoul round, watching 2018's Halloween. Be sure to follow along. And finally, you can email the show, hi, H-I, at mgrpodcast.com. We would love to hear from you, especially if you're the kind of person that put this movie in our docket, it won overwhelmingly. Uh, let us know why you picked Monster House for You Did This to Us. But we'll see you tomorrow when Movie Ghoul Round continues. 